to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number 59. I'm your host, Sakatan. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing really well, man. And I'm actually really excited because in one episode, episode 60 of the Soccer Brothers Podcast, U.S. Men's National Team and Major League Soccer legend Landon Donovan will be joining us for an exclusive interview. Yes, definitely check that episode out and share it with your friends and family, especially if they're interested in soccer. Absolutely. Also, a huge shout out to Cole Guerin, who created the intro and outro to the podcast. We debuted the intro and outro on the last episode, episode number 58. You can check out the rest of his work on his new album, Chasing Paradise, as part of his group, Paradise Productions. You can find that album on Spotify, SoundCloud, as well as iTunes. Yes, thank you so much, Cole, for the music. Before we talk about the U.S.'s win over Trinidad and Tobago, we're going to talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike. You can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. On their website, if you want a 15% off discount on your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yep, go check them out. The link to their website will be in the description, as always. The U.S. men's national team took on Trinidad and Tobago on Tuesday night in their last World Cup qualifying match before the Hex. The U.S. cruised to victory 4-0. Jurgen Klinsmann aligned his men in a 4-4-2 with Bobby Wood and Josie Altador up top. The midfield consisted of Christian Pulisic, Sacha Kleshton, Michael Bradley, and Alejandro Bedoya. And the back four in front of Tim Howard were Fabian Johnson, Steve Birnbaum, Omar Gonzalez, and Jeff Cameron. So before the game, what did you think of this lineup? Honestly, I was a little bit nervous about the back line. We have a new goalkeeper in there. Well, not new, but a different goalkeeper in there from the last match, Tim Howard playing. The back line was completely different. Jeff Cameron being the only one who played in the back in the last match, but he even, he was out of position. Uh, I was interested to see how Steve Birnbaum and Omar Gonzalez would work together. And, of course, Fabian Johnson back in defense takes him out of midfield, so I wasn't too excited about that. I was excited about Josie Altador and Bobby Wood up top as they continue to forge and cultivate that relationship. Uh, and obviously Michael Bradley was going to be there. Sasha clutched in a well-deserved start, but obviously the most exciting thing for all U.S. men's national team was Christian Pulisic getting his first start in the red, white, and blue. Yeah, it, it was definitely an exciting game for the U.S. national team. So uh, before we provide some insight on our thoughts about the game, we're just going to go over each goal individually to give you a better understanding of what happened if you didn't catch it. Uh, in the 44th minute, uh, Pulisic, Christian Pulisic played a ball uh, into the Trinidad and Tobago defense and it was cleared out to another Trinidad and Tobago defender uh, who then deflected it into the feet of Sacha Kleshton, who finished it in the back of the net. Yeah, it, it actually started with a great uh, piece of play from Fabian Johnson and Sacha Kleshton. Fabian Johnson coming from left back, giving the ball to uh, Sasha Kleshton. Sasha Kleshton with a back heel to Christian Pulisic and Pulisic is able to, oh, sorry, excuse me, a back heel back to Fabian Johnson. Fabian Johnson lays it off to Pulisic, and Pulisic puts it into the box. Uh, as you said, cleared, and Clutchton toe pokes at home. Um, his second goal in two games, and he hadn't scored any for the U.S. beforehand. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting for his career, and it's going to be exciting to see what happens next for him. In the 60th minute, uh, Fabian Johnson made a surging run into the Trinidad and Tobago defense and passed it to Josie Altador, got into on his got the ball onto his right foot and took a great shot and turn and scored. Absolutely great touch by Josie Altador, and that was sort of the theme of the night. I think Josie Altador was the second best player on the team today. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. He had a lot of strong runs. But, yeah, this was a great goal. Once again, Fabian Johnson with a very good pass into Josie's feet. He's able to take a touch around the run around the defender and smash, well, not smash at home, but roll at home. Yeah. Oh. And I, I think I think... One of the most important things about that goal was the run that Christian Pulisic made towards goal to take the right back away from Fabian Johnson. 
allowing him to have the time to sneak that into Altidore. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, only four minutes after the second goal, uh, another great goal was scored for the U.S. men's national team. Michael Bradley took a free kick, and he played a long ball to Pulisic, who set it, settled it down nicely, and he... He played it into Kleshton, played a 1-2 with Kleshton, and Kleshton gave it back to him, obviously. And he played a nice left-footed cross into Altidore, who scored a goal. And I just loved the fact that Altidore pointed to him, and they just celebrated like they've been playing together for a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Christian Pulisic uh, did so well on that left wing tonight, and that was another example of it. Yes, eight minutes later, we saw Pulisic in a central position, counterattacking. He made a pretty poor through ball into Jordan Morris, but Jordan Morris made the most of it and switches the ball onto the left side of play to Josie Altidore. Altidore crosses it to Pulisic, who uh, shoots it straight at the keeper, but Areola gets on the end of it on the rebound. Actually, Morris passed it to Kledgeton. Kledgeton rolls it to Altidore, and then Altidore uh, put it in for Pulisic, and then Areola scored. But Morris, with a great turn there, uh, was able to uh, fix... Christian Pulisic's mistake, and that really led to a goal. I guess one of my concerns after this match, well, I don't really know if it's a concern because, you know, I'm going to be happy after we win 4-0 against a, a team as good as Trinidad and Tobago, but we didn't get to see Darlington Nagby playing either of these World Cup qualifiers. Why do you think Klinsman did this, and well, yeah, it was, was a missed opportunity, opportunity for, him? for him? But I think Klinsman doesn't really know where Darlington Nagby's best position is. I think he's his best position is in central midfield, but he's not going to be playing in a two-man midfield. Uh, because I don't think Klinsman sees him as a defensive-type player who can track back like Sasha Kledgeton can if he needs to. Uh, I also think that we were up so much against Trinidad-Tobago and controlling the match, uh, and because we were up like that, Klinsman thought he would give Ariola a chance uh, and see what he could do, because Ariola did impress against Puerto Rico. Obviously, I wanted to see him. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to, but you know, we won 6-0 and then 4-0, so... You can't really complain too much, and I really do believe he'll be getting a chance in October. So do you actually personally think that he wouldn't succeed in a two-man midfield, or are you saying that's just uh, Clinton's thought process? Because, I mean, it was evident that, you know, even though it was flat, I guess, in a sense, that Clegston was the more attacking of the two center midfielders in this game. And Bradley, you know, did help uh, well, defensively. Well, so uh, Clegston, I think, is, uh, yeah. is more of a two-way player in, in Clinton's mind. I think Nagby could play that position and play it well. Uh, but I think if we're going to play this 4-4-2 with an advanced midfielder and a holding midfielder, I think his best position would probably be right mid. Uh, or, or the best chance of him getting on the field would be at right mid. And I think now that Bedoya is back in MLS, I think that actually helps Nagby and could give him the opportunity to start over Alejandro Bedoya if Nagby has a better season from here on out. <laughs> That's that's weird to think about. Alejandro Bedoya. Well, not I mean, starting I, on this I don't think he had a good match tonight. I thought he was actually pretty bad, Alejandro Bedoya. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he was that great. He didn't. He didn't look like he fit that well into the system. Uh, well, I think um, he's, be- and, I think he's better know, in like, the center of the park. I think we have a different against St. Vincent. Right, and, and I think you know once we're seeing an actual very creative midfielder on the other side, and it starts to put into perspective, you know. We do have, you know, players this talented, and maybe Darlington Agby, like you said, is one of them, who can, you know, kind of parallel, not exactly, but right, parallel Right, and I think Pulisic the difference is Nagby, on the other side, can be a little bit more measured in his passes and can sort of move the play forward in terms of his passing instead of his pace and creativity, which he has, but that's not what he's limited to. And I'm not saying Pulisic can't, I'm just saying 
we, we can have a little bit of a contrast if we have those two on either side. But I think, I think honestly, I think maybe the way to go yeah. is to have Pulisic on one side and Fabian Johnson on the other side. Uh, so, so who would you want starting at left back in, in these uh, next games, I think if that were the case? Kellen Acosta. Honestly, I want Jorge Villafania to get a chance. There are rumors that he's going to be called up to the Mexican national team. Uh, so I, obviously we don't want that to happen. And I think he is probably the best left back in the pool. So I think Kellen Acosta did a decent job against St. Vincent. I wanted to see him against better competition in Trinidad and Tobago, but unfortunately we didn't get to see that. Um, I'm just worried about Fabian Johnson defensively. I think he did a decent job tonight, but I think there's so many times when there's a huge gap of space in between him and the center back, and Trinidad were able to exploit it, but had no end product. Yeah, I mean, he he was involved in, in, in two of the goals, but against more talented opposition, we, we can get burned if, you know, if we have our fullbacks up that high. Um do you think that Matt Beasler, I mean, we saw in the Copa America, is a legitimate possibility? I, mean, I think it's a possibility. I, I don't want that to be our long-term solution. Uh, I think I think Jorge Villafani is the guy. I mean, he played lights out in MLS. He's been playing well in Liga MX, and he deserves a call-up. Yeah, I mean, if not, I, if not maybe then Fabian Johnson uh, should be back there. Um, maybe Timmy Chandler? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're past that now. <laughs> uh, the the first substitute to come off was Bobby Wood in the 60th minute. He came out for Jordan Morris. Um, you know, Bobby Wood was taken off the earliest, probably, in my opinion, because of his play. Uh, what went wrong went for Bobby wrong. Wood tonight? I think he didn't really... I, I think he's able to be at his best in a 4-3-3. Um or when he's playing with Clint Dempsey alongside him, where Clint Dempsey will drop more and find the pass. Um, I think, as I said, I think a 4-3-3 with maybe him in the center and Pulisic and Fabian Johnson on either side of him would benefit him more. Um, but, I mean, he still made the runs, right? He still made the runs. He still uh, was effective in drawing in the defenders and creating space for Josie Altador and Christian Pulisic and Sasha Kledgeton. So I think he did a decent job tonight at that. He just did have the goal in him tonight. And I, I think, you know, your 4-3-3 your idea, um, I think that makes, you know, Pulisic more effective, not not only because he's in a more advanced position, I guess, but because uh, sometimes, you know, the runs tend to get plugged, clogged up if there's, if there's two strikers. There's not, you know, one specific target. And we saw it, you know, Pulisic had a cross and he had some good crosses, right. but there wasn't necessarily one man in there. Right. Oh, so I, I think and, that, and the other yeah. thing is, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but the other thing is that there's a huge gap in between midfield and the strikers. You know, Sasha Kleshton sort of filled that gap, but then Michael Bradley has the entire rest of the field to cover. So if you have a 4-3-3 with, you know, maybe in the center of the park, you have Bedoya, Bradley, and Kleshton, or Bedoya, or, or Bradley, Kleshton, and Nagby. Uh, that offers you creativity as well as a defensive cover, but also allows Fabian Johnson, Bobby Wood, and Christian Pulisic to do what they do best going forward. Obviously, that means Josie Altador wouldn't start, or Bobby Wood, whichever one Klinsman would choose to start in that formation. But I think that gives the U.S. the best chance to beat better opposition. That being said, you know, I mean, you can't once again, you can't really argue with what this this formation did against. Pretty good opposition. Aside from Costa Rica and Mexico, 
Trinidad are amongst the best in, in CONCACAF. So, you know, it, it worked tonight. And I think a big part of that was Sasha Kletchton and Christian Pulisic. They were two of the three best players on the pitch, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And same again. I mean, it doesn't mean as much, but also against St. Vincent and the Gratitudes, they were the two best players. Right. They came on and uh, they they came on and they immediately they immediately changed the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like I was talking about, Bobby Wood came off. Jordan Morris came on. What did you think of Jordan Morris's performance? I thought he he adds a lot of speed. He also he has a lot of directness to the game. Um, as you said earlier, the the touch he took to create the third goal, I believe, the fourth goal. The, the third goal. That was the fourth, fourth goal. Fourth goal, okay. okay. I apologize, yeah. yeah. Um, what was really good, I also think he definitely needs to develop. Maybe he doesn't, but I think it would be beneficial for him to develop a left foot. Uh, we had another Jordan Morris moment in the 82nd minute where there was a good pass to him in the box, and he took it with the outside of the right foot instead of taking it on his left, which might have been easier. That being said, if he deve- if he can score with only his right foot, you know, that's great. We've seen players do it at the highest level. But... With one with one foot, but I think, uh, I, 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 like I said, he adds a lot of directness to the game. I just I don't think we saw enough tonight uh, to really make a conclusive decision on Jordan Morris. I think he's a great sub to have in late game situations where he can sort of run at the defense at a tired defense and score late goals, and I think that's what his role is going to be at least for the near future. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Morris is, you know, if he's not a big part of this coming cycle, you know, he's, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Right. Uh, so, so something that you reminded me of something when you were talking about late chances in this game, Josie Altador had a chance in the 90th yeah. minute, uh, you know, where, he, where he, he had a chip shot that went over the bar, but Pulisic, you know, was on the counterattack and he made a good run and, you know, made a very good weighted pass, uh, a nice through ball to Josie Altador, who, right. you know, who should have actually scored. So Pulisic has said before that his favorite position is playing in that center attacking midfield role. We know we have Bobby and Johnson who can play on the wing. We have Darlington Nagby. We have other options. Do you think that Pulisic in that number 10 role, like his shirt says, uh, would be a good idea, uh, especially situationally in, in some of these games? Uh, possibly, but I think we need to play with two defensive midfielders behind him. Uh, or at least, you know, two box-to-box midfielders behind him in like a 4-5-1. Um, so I, I think his position is going to be on the wing. And you said we have wing options, but we really don't outside of Pulisic, Fabian Johnson, and Bedoya. Uh, I mean, Darlington, Nagby, and Paul Ariola are there. Yeah, Zuzi wasn't that right, great. Right, right. And I mean, they're largely unproven. You have Ethan Finley maybe who gets another chance with the team. But I think central midfield is probably one of our strengths, especially when players like Danny Williams, Alfredo Morales, Lind- even Lyndon Gooch aren't making the team. So, although Lyndon Gooch did play left mid in that first match for uh, Sunderland, but he, I think he's more of a central midfielder. So I think, at least for the foreseeable future, unless he starts playing center attacking mid for Dortmund and playing well there, I think Pulisic's position is going to be on the left. And to be honest, I mean, he was he was the best player on the pitch tonight. So I think he adds something that we haven't seen since Landon Donovan and absolutely has the potential to be better than Landon Donovan. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think he definitely, his ceiling is just so high. Think about what he's doing at such an early I mean, age. The, just uh, just the, his composure, the way he, he looks on the ball, he just looks the part. He, you can tell he's a class above the rest. 
I just can't believe that he's 17 in any way. You know, Pele was was 17 when he won a World Cup, so. (laughs) Well, that's impossible for Pulisic, but. Well, I know, but I'm saying, I think a great quote from, um, uh, well, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, Yeah, Richard Fleming, who is a commentator for the Colorado Rapids, on Twitter he said, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And I think that's true. Uh, You know, he's clearly one of our best players. So I don't care how old you are. If you can help the team, if you're going to immediately make the team better, you play. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I agree. One criticism that I did of Pulisic, and I I don't know why I had to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, (laughs) was um, I I think, you know, Fabian Johnson did work hard to overlap him on sometimes, but Pulisic was just focused on getting that final ball into the box. Uh, You know, do you think that he should have, you know, that was an issue, and uh, hopefully, you know, we won't have Fabian Johnson and playing at left back, like you said, to, to have this issue, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, if you have both of those guys coming at you, I don't think that's a huge issue. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, sometimes he failed to lay it off, but I think what he may, may have seen is that the defender was moving with Fabian Johnson so he could, he would try to get the ball into the box, and there was four or five really good crosses from Christian Pulisic. And, yeah, maybe sometimes it would be better if he gave it to Fabian Johnson, but if he feels like he can deliver a good final ball, then by all means he should be making that pass. You know, Fabian Johnson is making the run, is not only making the run to get the ball, he's making the run to keep the defense on their toes, you know? So I think... I think they'll start to... I mean, I really do think Bobby Johnson is going to be playing left-back for the team going forward. But So I think they will develop a partnership. And you could see, even when Christian Pulisic made the mistake and passed it to him offside, Bobby Johnson encouraged him and was telling him it's a good pass. Uh, and, and that's good to see. It's good to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that that can be a very threatening, threatening left side. Uh, so, in the 72nd minute, I'm sorry, Sasha Kletschin came off for Caleb Stanko. Uh, that was the third substitution. Uh, we briefly talked about Paul Ariola, the second substitution before. Um, what did you, did you think that he had a significant impact in this game? No, um, no, he didn't have a significant impact, but I will say he looked like he belonged. He looked confident on the ball, uh, and with his passes, he didn't look out of his depth. Uh, you know, hopefully he continues to develop for, in the Swiss League for his club his uh, club that plays in Liechtenstein, and he can uh, break into the Freiburg first team. Um, that being said, I think, well, I think the potential is there, and Klinsman has been right before. You know, he's been, he's been right with Bobby Wood. He's been right with Jordan Morris. I mean, he's called these guys out of the blue, and they've been great for, for the U.S. national team. So, and, and it's really helped their careers. So maybe by calling up Caleb Stanko, it gives his club more of an incentive to play him uh, U.S. International, and, and raises his profile. And before his injuries, he was going to be the next center defensive midfielder. Uh, so uh, if he, as long as he can stay healthy, I think he can be a great player going forward. Uh, that being said, I still think Alfredo Morales or Lyndon Gooch or Danny Williams should be on this team. Yeah, I, I think that, I don't know, it, it's like there's certain players who are like, who are young, and you can you can kind of tell that they're young based on the field, on the way they are on the field. And I, I feel like I could tell there. Really, I, I thought he I thought he fit in pretty well. Uh, I, uh, uh, maybe. Uh. Uh, yeah, 
Well, okay, so well, let me ask you this. What did you think of Michael Bradley's performance? Um, yeah, I, was, I was talking to you about this, I, I guess, uh, you know, like a long time ago. Because I, I always love to see Michael Bradley playing where he doesn't have a pressure to, to, to go forward. I mean, people always criticize Michael Bradley for his performance at the 2014 World Cup, and that's because he was forced to play an advanced role, and he, he, he was prone to make more mistakes, and he didn't, he didn't do what he did best, which is winning back the ball and, and starting play going forward. So uh, it was great to see him going back, and honestly, it made the whole game exciting. It was, like, it was not only exciting when you were moving forward, it was also exciting to see right. Michael Bradley stretch out for that challenge. I, I absolutely agree with you and I think the narrative online was that his he was passing wasn't great but he runs and a lot of people are still criticizing him I don't know if you saw any of that on social media and I completely disagree I yeah his passing maybe wasn't at its best tonight but it's so much better than Kyle Beckerman passing it backwards or sideways when Michael Bradley wins the ball immediately picks his head up and can ping a cross field ball a diagonal ball to one of the attackers or to can just usher it forward to Sasha question and, and start the counterattack. And we saw that multiple times where Michael Bradley would win the ball, alleviate the pressure, and push, and give the ball to Sasha question and allow him to push forward. And, you know, I, I thought he had a great match, and I think that is his best position. I think he might be overrun in midfield against harder opponents, like, you know, we saw uh, at times during the Copa America. So I think he might need some more help than just Sasha question. But I think if he's in a deeper position, as you said, it really plays to his strengths in his game. We, we, his, his trademark Michael Bradley diagonal ball. So I thought he played well. I thought he did a great job of yeah. just alleviating pressure with forward passes. You know, there were times where the U.S. were in possession. It looked like they were going to be caught out, but Michael Bradley was able to get the ball out of his feet quickly and start an attack. And I think that's, that's great. And I think he, he is clearly the best defensive midfielder we have on the team. I, I yeah I definitely agree. I mean he's 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 a defensive midfielder that also you know works with the whole Klinsman narrative that he promised us a long time ago. I mean it's like this is like the closest we're going to look like to that, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and we're not going to look like that with Kyle Beckerman as you said. Yeah, and he was directly you're, you're, involved you're in the third goal. You're talking about like exciting attacking soccer, right? You know, yeah, not passing it back to the keeper, you know, like whatever, right. just per, yeah, not regressive soccer. Right. Yeah. But I think the one thing is, at the, in the first half, and at times, we allowed Trinidad and Tobago to have possession. And I think that's a good thing, because I think it's kind of what Hull City did to Leicester City. When you have a good counter-attacking team like Trinidad and Tobago, who can catch you on the break, sometimes it's best to let them have possession, and then you win the ball, and you go on the break. And we saw that so many times. We allowed Trinidad and Tobago to pass pass it around, pass it around, they would get anxious, put in a bad ball, or lose a ball in our third, and Michael Bradley was right there and was able to get the ball forward, and Christian Pulisic was by himself on the wing, looking for strikers. So I think that was, tactically, that was really great to see, and that's not a type of thing we've necessarily seen with Jurgen Klinsmann before. So it's stuff like that that really excites me about this match. We ha- it seemed like we had a game plan. I agree. Now, t- towards the latter part of the match, uh, I-, I think we can both agree that there were a few shots that Trinidad and Tobago had that definitely could have gone in. They had a couple one-two chances. Right. That, uh, now, do you think that if a couple more goals were on the board, we'd be changing this conversation? And 
Do you think that points to an issue, no. or is that just good play by Trinidad and Tobago? It's one, it's good play. Two, we're up 4 nothing. I think it was more just complacency based on the scoreline. I think that's that that's the, that's the whole thing. Uh, because at the beginning of the second half, for the first 20 minutes, we won every ball. We were going forward, and we were creating opportunities. We sort of... We sort of fizzled out, as you say, but I think that's more just because we had basically secured the victory, which is not necessarily a great thing, but you can't really blame the team in that situation, in my opinion. I don't think it points to a larger problem. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about Josie Altador because yeah. we have both said we may be ready to move on for him, but he looks completely... I mean, this is the best I've seen him play in a long time, and it's not just the goals. How many times do we see him hold off the defender and with his pure strength and continue to play and move the ball forward? His touch was the best I've ever seen it, uh, including on the goal. You know, the, the one I'm thinking about is when he held off the defender and put that ball in. Christian Pulis- Pulisic, unfortunately, hit the post, both posts. It wasn't oh, able yes. to score. Yeah. But, and then in the second half, he did the same thing. He was holding off the defender and eventually won a foul of 25 yards from goal. I thought he was fantastic. And aside from Christian Pulisic... He was the best player on the pitch today. Yeah, yeah. That, that chance where that was just amazing strength and composure when Pulisic hit both. Right, and, and, but what's, and, what's what's impressive to me it was his touch tonight. We've seen so many times his touch let him down. He his touch was so good it was almost perfect. And not only that, that his passing was on point tonight. He actually he was distributing. He was dropping deep and he was distributing to the left to the right, and and they were good passes. You know, in the past, we've seen him hit him over over our midfielders or behind them. But, you know, I, I think if, Jos- if Al- Josie Alcador has confidence, this is like what we saw in 2013. He's scoring goals for his club team. He has confidence. And that directly translates to the U.S. national team. And if we have him, we have Clint Dempsey back, hopefully, Jordan Morris in form, Bobby Wood, who's playing well in the Bundesliga, and Aaron Johansson, I mean... We have more striker options than we've ever had before. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I, I think, and his play and his presence in the box was more than just you know him holding off a defender than playing like you know kind of like a a soft through ball to someone who's overlapping him. It, it was so much more than that. And I, I feel like because we have a player like Pulisic who can buy time, allow someone to get dangerous in the box, it makes us so much less predictable now. Right. And it's not just the overlapping run from Josie. Right, you know? and that's so true. The best we've seen Josie play is when Fabian Johnson is playing midfield. And Christian Pulisic is another player like that and who, who plays to Josie outdoor strengths. Who Josie can pass it to him or pass it to the attacking midfielder and get it to Pulisic and get into the box and get into those positions. Uh, and if he, you know, if he's scoring goals, like I said, if he has that confidence, he is the best striker in the pool. Now Bobby Wood can surpass him, but I mean, Josie Altador, you know, and, and Josie Altador is only 26 years old. I think people forget that he's only like a year older than Darlington Nagby. Yeah, he's still a young player. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah. and he already has the most World Cup qualifying goals in U.S. history. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, he, he's he's a really good player, and I'm glad to see him back in form because obviously that's great for the U.S. national team. And that doesn't mean maybe he should start every single match, but I think uh, the word that best describes his performance was his maturity. He looked a more mature player 
I, I think that was just basically the essence of his performance. And, you know, the last time he played in Jacksonville against Nigeria before the 2014 World Cup, he scored two goals. Um, and he did it again in Jacksonville. And the biggest thing he needs to do is stay healthy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like like you said, it's not it's not like you know Josie Altidore scraped a few goals and didn't play well. He he played well the entire match, and he made he made other people look better. And Paul Ariel's goal was a lot it was a lot of him and Pulisic. So right. um, it's going to be very exciting. Now I want to give some love for the back line because I know I know we talked about our fullbacks. We didn't talk about this new center back pairing that Jurgen Klinsmann wanted to toy with because this game didn't matter all that much. Omar Gonzalez and Steve Birnbaum. How did you think they played? Well, you say it doesn't matter, but Guatemala won seven to two or something. So, like, I mean, they, yeah, okay, Gu- yeah. Gu- Guatemala did their half. I thought they were okay. So, are you saying that Klinsman should have gone with like a conservative center back? No, there? no, no. I, I think they. No, I'm just saying. I was just saying. <laughs> I, I yeah. thought they were good. Um, Omar. I mean, they're both good in the air. I, I still think Jeff Cameron and John Brooks are the pair, um, and then even Matt Beasler might be ahead of. Uh, at least Steve Birnbaum. I think Steve Birnbaum is probably our fifth choice, in my opinion. I just think there were times where he would back off the defender or back off the attacker a little bit too much and allow them to take the shot. And I think we saw that with Jovan Jones a couple of times. Uh, Jones, Jovan Jones megged him in the second half. Or not Jovan Jones, number eight. I can't remember his name. But he megged him in the second half and was able to score. Uh, or not able to score, to put a shot on target. But Tim Howard did a great job and saved it. Uh, so I think Steve Birnbaum, he has a lot of potential. Uh, he's very good in the air, but I think I think it's clear that Jeff Cameron and John Brooks are the best center backs because I think we really missed good play out of the bat, good passes from center back today. Uh, and Jeff Cameron and John Brooks provide that effective passing from the back. Uh, and I don't think Gonzalez and Birnbaum can do that necessarily. Yeah, this is true. Uh, and well, then, what, what are your thoughts, though? I mean, on, on the center back pairing. Um, I I've always been a big fan of Omar Gonzalez. Honestly, I think that uh, set piece defending and and heading is just is just one of his strong suits. And now I don't know if he's better than John Anthony Brooks, uh, but but I, I think he's solid. And I don't think he's really made that many mistakes since like pre twenty fourteen World Cup. He also hasn't played that much <laughs> since then. But you know. Uh, and Steve Birnbaum, who is, you know, really exciting. I, I wish we got more corners because, you know, it's always interesting when Birnbaum is in the box. But, you know, he was he was also a solid defender. I, right. I mean, they were solid. They did their job. They kept a clean sheet. Yeah. It, it wasn't... Okay, but then Sahel, if you like Omar Gonzalez, how about this? Uh, a three-five-two with Cameron Gonzalez... Brooks, by the way, disclaimer, I don't think this would work, okay. but uh, <laughs> Gonzalez, Brooks, and uh, Cameron, Bobby and Johnson and DeAndre Yedlin at wingbacks, Michael Bradley, Sasha Kluchin, and Christian Pulisic in the midfield, and then Josie Altador and Bobby Wood up top. Uh, can you go over the three in the midfield again? Sasha Kluchin, Michael Bradley, and Christian Pulisic. I mean, I think we're getting our best players in the field, and <laughs> that's not always how it works. Uh, no, I, just, I don't. I don't think it would work. But I'm no, just saying, it be, it's, exci- right. it's exciting to think about. It's yeah, fun it is. To think we, about. we have we try, just, try it on FIFA. Try it on FIFA. Enter tournaments. See if it works. Yeah, that. 
<laughs> yes, Sadio Dumbia is the best player in the world. That's that's true. According <laughs> to FIFA, Sadio Dumbia and Victor Abarbo. Roma should have won the treble. Oh yes, dude, that, that was the best window ever. Um, actually, I got really excited when you mentioned DeAndre Edling because I kind of forgot that he wasn't playing in this <laughs> playing in this yeah. game. Uh, we we have some options, you know. This is not our most talented team, and right. that's just really well. The, actually, now and now I'm remembering the other option at left back is uh, Eric Lehigh, who's playing well in the championship. Um, there's also Tim Ream Tim there, Ream. and maybe Keegan Rosenberry, who's a a candidate for MLS Rookie of the Year. Not really a left back, um, but he's he's been doing really well at right back. And the other guy, Brandon Vincent, remember he played well when he played for the U.S. The rookie for the mm-hmm. Chicago Fire. So we have people coming through. It's just a weird time right now. I, I, but Jorge Villafania, he should be the guy. Yes, and yeah, and we're probably. But like in reality, we're probably going to see like a similar lineup or a similar roster come November because, you know. Well, let's see what happens in October. Maybe someone breaks into the team. It's always a possibility. You you think that Jurgen would do that in the first hex game? Uh, not against Mexico. Oh no, because we have we have friendlies beforehand, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying we have friendlies beforehand, but against Mexico, I, I guess Mexico, it's going to be Jermaine Jones and Michael Bradley, and probably not Christian Pulisic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be though, because he proved he proved himself. Oh, well, he definitely proved himself. He he doesn't he just looks so good, and I I just oh uh, news just news just in Canada has failed to qualify for the hex. Unfortunate. I, <laughs> I, I know you care less than I do. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I mean, like, does Canada doing better? I mean, does I, I don't know. Maybe that means MLS is doing better? Is that your logic behind it? Or? I, no, I just like Canada. I like some of their players. I think I would rather play Canada than Honduras on the road. <laughs> In the hex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, man. I don't... I'm not... I don't think the U.S. qualifying is a foregone conclusion anymore. I think, I mean, we saw it last time with Mexico. It's difficult. You know, you have to play at Trinidad, at Mexico, at Costa Rica, at Honduras, and at probably Panama, which is the easiest one. But, I mean, those are tough matches. None of those are none of those are, win, are guaranteed wins. But, you know, if we do not win, though, we're still going to be mad on this podcast and getting mad at Jürgen Klinsmann. Yeah, because we we, we do should, have quality. Yes. We should win. We should win absolutely. But I, I think you know it's interesting. They had the little bit. I, you were you had a soccer match tonight, so you might have missed this. But they had the bit before the match about you know Paul Calagiri's goal in 1989 to qualify for the 1990 World Cup, and it's something you and I definitely have taken for granted our entire lives. The U.S. has qualified for the World Cup. But CONCACAF is, although we're getting better, CONCACAF is catching up. And, you know, it just takes one or two results, uh, one or two unfortunate results, and you could, you could miss, you could miss the, the World Cup. You know, Mexico, if we don't score, Mexico is not in the World Cup. If Graham Susi doesn't score and Aaron Johansson don't score. So, Why I'm just saying, didn't I think, we just take one for the team? I <laughs> Yeah, now Brad Kuzan should have just turned around and picked yes. on that. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, you know, one but, thing that, that's kind of cool that that I've just started to notice is that since I've started watching soccer, CONCACAF has gotten more, like, MLSified, And I've been seeing more MLS players on some of these better uh, CONCACAF teams. 
Which is also MLS has MLS has really helped the region mm. a lot, uh, especially the Caribbean teams and Canada. So I, I think uh, I mean MLS has been great for the region. It's uh, it's allowed other teams to catch up as well as it's allowed us to develop our own players. Um, one more thing, going back to the match, we didn't really talk about Tim yes. Howard. I thought he was I thought he was good. Um, he gives me a lot of mini heart attacks because I feel like his handling is just not that good anymore. Well, he's not as good as he used to be, for sure. I mean, we we witnessed that with Everton, but I think his confidence might be back since he's playing for Colorado. Uh, I still think Brad Guzan's Oh, definitely. But Tim Howard is a good backup. Uh, but pick one. Jurgen, pick one goalkeeper, please. Well, I mean, he's just letting Tim Howard play. <laughs> <laughs> No. This game this game was a gimme. We all knew we were going to go in and win 4-0. <laughs> That's the most fun I've had watching the U.S. Oh, no. I was completely, like, captivated. I, I wasn't even checking Twitter. Like, I... Yeah. Usually yeah, I check yeah, Twitter exactly. more when I'm bored or something, but, like, I... Like, obviously we beat St. Vincent 6 nothing, but, you know, that's... You expect that. Tonight, especially after the first 20 minutes, you're expecting a good match and, you know... We we just took off and hats off to Jurgen because I thought I actually thought that Pulisic would get like sixty five minutes. I, I I'm, I'm yeah, really he glad. Yeah, got ninety minutes. Yeah, I'm excited. October. I'm excited to see who Jurgen brings in, and I'm just feeling optimistic about the team now. I'm excited to see. I mean, this is how we are as U.S. soccer fans. You know, when we <laughs> win like this, it's we're gonna win the World Cup. <laughs> when we lose, I'm picturing it now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it's crazy but, to think that uh, not not so long ago we were like we lost to two zero to Guatemala and we were just like completely out of sorts and who that was a year ago, dude, wasn't it? Or was it? That in, was in March. Oh, that was right? in like that was in yeah, March. So yeah. not so long. So six ago. seven months ago. Copa yeah, America so really ago. turned us around. I, I think before that we weren't that optimistic. I mean. I, I thought we'd get out of the group, but, yeah, uh, it would have, I don't know, I, the thing is, like, Copa America, yes, I thought we'd get out of the group, which we did, I thought we would beat Ecuador, which we did, so I think we, we did what we should have, I mean, if we played Chile in the second, in the quarterfinals, like Mexico did, I don't think we would have gotten to the to the semifinals. Yeah, no, uh, Ecuador was, like, definitely, like... I mean, I, I don't know. Actually, it wasn't. I mean, it was good because we, we it was Jermaine Jones in play. I think that was like a pretty good match to prove that we're like somewhat legitimate. Right, but Ecuador hasn't won or it didn't before that didn't win a match below like five thousand mile or no below five thousand feet altitude in like a year or something. So weird. Stat. I don't remember what the stat was, but but we. I mean, we are the problem than is. Even though they're doing well in World Cup qualifying, but, you know. I think the problem is, is like, what team... I feel like I, I, I see teams like Ecuador and maybe teams like... like I don't... I'm trying to... What's a team on Ecuador's caliber? Like, uh, yeah, like Costa Rica or like Mexico. Maybe Mexico's a bit better, but that we can beat. But then where's that line? Because, like, what... I think we like it's like pretty common or pretty likely for us to get like blown out by like Brazil and Colombia or maybe maybe not Colombia. I mean, I guess we did pretty well in the third place game, but um. well, I, I I think there are four or five teams that can blow anyone out: Spain, Germany, Argentina, 
maybe Brazil on their day. Uh, and I mean, is there is there anyone I'm missing? I mean, I like uh, Colum- France, 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 maybe, but not Colombia. Really outplayed us the first match of the group. I mean, it was it was only two zero. Yeah, they did. They played us off the field. Um, uh, right. So you know, I, I think we're right in the middle there. That's like I think we're probably like after the top ten teams in the world. It's sort of like between like twelve and thirty. I think all the teams are pretty equal, to be honest. And it, like I, I think Greece, for example, I think we can go and beat Greece, but I wouldn't be surprised if they could beat us. I would be kind of a little bit mad if Greece beat us. Yeah, but you know, in a competitive match, it well, is possible. You know, I guess a way, maybe. yeah, maybe. Well, it's hard because some of these teams have quality, like Turkey. It seems like they should be good, but they're not. <laughs> ever. Yeah, I mean England. Same, yeah, same with England. Yeah. But if someone actually so. thinks that the U.S. is worse than England, okay, email me. Email soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. I'd be willing to fight you on that. <laughs> because I don't think you can say that. I mean, sure, you can point to the quality, but I don't think I so. Just, no. Well, even the players, I mean, outside of Wayne Rooney. Raheem like Rooney. Sterling's coming to his own. Harry Kane is kind of proven, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess we don't have anyone like that. Well, we'll see. Maybe Bob, Bobby Wood scores, like, 20 goals this season. <laughs> that, would, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely... And I feel like it would be, like, more clear as to why he's scoring than Harry Kane, too. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, well, we're getting off topic. Let's wrap uh, yeah, it up. Just because, but, uh, you know, the international break is over and the U.S. isn't going to be playing till October doesn't mean that we're not going to be keeping tabs on some of these players throughout the week. So uh, make sure to stay tuned, even if you're just interested in the U.S., because we're going to be talking about how Americans are performing in MLS and how Americans are performing in Europe uh, in the yeah. coming weeks. So definitely stay tuned. Oh, my God. Sahel, did you say the MLS? Oh, I didn't, no, I didn't say that. We'll have to go back and check that. <laughs> okay. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to rewind the tapes. <laughs> but the other thing, November 11th, man, USA versus Mexico in my backyard, Columbus. We'll be there. That's, yeah, map for stadium. We're, we're, we're dominant there. You do not want to enter. We should just make that our home stadium. We should. Why okay, isn't no. it? I was, thinking, I, was, I was thinking that today. Like, I was, Jacksonville, 19,000. Are you kidding me? Let's just fill up a soccer stadium. Instead of having a half-empty football stadium. Okay, fine. But then why don't we rotate between soccer oh, stadiums yeah. then? Maybe, maybe, maybe U.S. soccer needs to lower the price. U.S. soccer maybe needs to lower the prices. But, I mean, we should be filling up our stadiums. I, I always thought that you were a proponent of, like, switching between stadiums. I mean, we don't need to be in football stadiums, though. Why don't we switch between soccer stadiums? Yeah, Kansas City is a good place. Columbus is a good place. Seattle, not a soccer stadium, but it's a good place to have matches. Those three. I mean, yeah, nowhere we, else. They put tarps over, like, the empty seats. Yeah, but they still get 46,000, 50,000. Yeah. It's not like Jacksonville, 19,000. Come on. Come on. Hey, that's Maybe there'll bad. be more people there for the Jaguars game against the Packers this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're really off topic. Um, uh, before we leave, let's talk about the amazing soccer-themed clothing brand named Ambitious Strike. You can check out their merchandise at ambitiousstrike.com. If you want to get a 15% off discount on your entire purchase, enter the code BROTHERS at checkout. Yep, go check them out. As always, the link is in the description to their website. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you better listen to episode 60 <laughs> because that might possibly be the most important podcast we ever record and it's just a dream come true for us. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, we have an email for this podcast at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter and Instagram. Both those handles are at soccerbrotherspod. You can check us out on Facebook. Uh, our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Support us any way you can there. And uh, stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we should be releasing episode 60 this yep, weekend. Episode 60, The Landon Donovan episode is next. So we'll see you next time for episode 60, the special Landon Donovan episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. Cole, take us away.